Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by one of the founders of the hit content group, Kind of Funny, Mr. Tim Geddes. And today we're talking about the alternate timeline sensation, Age of Apocalypse. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Thank you so much for having me. When I first saw you launch this podcast, I was really excited. And I was like, oh, man, I have something to listen to now. I'm a big X-Men fan, but <laughs> I, I feel like I'm right in that that place that this is for, where it's like I don't really know where to start with some of the older stuff. Like I'm familiar with what I'm familiar with, but uh, it's a little daunting to know what to get into uh, and, and kind of learn how to uh, even speak the language of X-Men. So I'm excited to be here. <laughs> with you that's so funny because i think of you as actually the first guest i've had that is actually a uh, a a breaking from the norm where you have some at the very least comic history i believe which i would i I want to get into in a second and but everybody else that i have recorded with so far um has basically you know almost none to almost to actually no experience reading comics prior so that's a good segue into Tim. What is your experience with X Men and just comics in general? Like, where did you hear about X Men the first time? What's been your your relationship with comics? You know, in the past. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is the the type of story that I, I feel can uh, be really quick, and I can just say, oh, it's pretty much the same <laughs> as anyone that was born in the early '90s, but uh, could also last hours if I went into all the details. So I'll try to meet in the middle somewhere and <laughs> really just explain it that like I was born in 1989, and that means I was lucky enough to, in my opinion, be raised in the perfect era. Uh, of being a superhero fan because I was primed uh, from a very early age with the, of course, the Fox cartoons, right? Um, And the DC cartoons as well that would happen uh, on the the DC side. And, you know, the 90s were such a great time where – Superhero cartoons, whether it's Spider-Man or X-Men or Batman, Justice League, all of those just kind of felt like required viewing uh, to an extent. Like it was just part of being a kid was uh, watching those shows. And you'd go to Toys R Us and there would just be the the aisles and aisles of action figures where it kind of just felt like the norm. Like uh, it felt like you were supposed to know the histories and stories of these characters. Um, And from that, you know, get growing up, I was around – 11 to 13 when the first big superhero movies started and we've had many yeah. before but like that era of spider-man and x-men etc cetera, etc cetera, really popping off uh to then eventually get to the mcu and we we know where we're at now but like i've been fully in since day one when it comes to <laughs> being invested and i feel like I've, i'm a marvel guy at heart uh and because of that i'm a spider-man guy at heart and i think nice. that uh spider-man and x-men being the kind of uh poster children of marvel uh I know Avengers nowadays are kind of the 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 ones because of what Marvel Studios has accomplished. But um, really, it's like, you know, the heavy hitters in the 90s were X-Men and Spider-Man, as evidenced by the successful comic runs and the different TV shows. So I've been all in and it wasn't until the Ultimate Comics um, in 2001 uh, when oh, those first, first popped off where I was like, oh, this is a, a great kind of jump on point. It's a, a reboot yeah. of the entire universe. Um, and I, this is, I was again, the same time where the movies were coming out. I was around 11, able to make my own decisions, uh, able to read, which was a nice (laughs) thing. Practically an adult. Exactly. Uh, but you know, you know, being younger than that, it's like, I wanted to read comics, but 
uh, it, it that wasn't really an option for me. And then eventually Ultimate, I think, kind of uh, gave me a really good um, place to start. And yeah. um, I, I've read every single Ultimate comic there is. Uh, the universe doesn't exist anymore. But that was really when I, when I got I really into the comic side of things. And at this point, I've read thousands of comic books. Um, X-Men are definitely one that I've read a ton of, but yeah. I, there's a lot of, of holes in my, my history for sure. <laughs> Wait, you're saying you haven't gone through 60 years of multiple titles yeah. of X-Men comics and read every single one of them? It's, it's pretty wild. But I mean, I, you know, I would say that on the Spider-Man side, I, despite it also being 60 plus years of stuff, like I have read a fair amount, like I, a, a percentage for sure of all That's the stories. Funny. So it's like, it, I do feel a little uh, embarrassed as somebody that would consider themselves a hardcore Marvel fan um, for how lacking some of my my X Men knowledge can be. But that is definitely not due to a lack of appreciation of of what these stories can be. And I'm very excited to talk about this one in particular with you because it it does the thing that um, I feel is really tricky with uh, comic book stories, which is like, hey, we have a already convoluted storyline and cast of characters. We're gonna just kind of rip the the carpet out from underneath you and just be like hey those characters are all familiar but even more different than you'd expect and you have to figure yeah. out well how's this timeline uh different than the others and it's like it's a lot it's a lot to kind of jump into it is yeah it's funny you say that you have such a, a deep history with spider-man because that was actually a relationship i had growing up with my brother he was a comic book fan as well but he always got much more in deep with spider-man and i never fully connected with spider-man i loved the x-men and and mostly uh stuck with them but uh speaking of the ultimate universe i did love every title of the ultimate universe i recently went back and reread a lot of ultimate x-men and i do want to do an episode on ultimate x-men at some point um it doesn't age super well um in all areas um but it's but some of the stuff that they try to do with the x-men and to change it up for like um, I, I, I got a new launch point for people to read, like you like you said. Um, it's it's interesting to me, and, and I love it. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this without having read it prior, but the Ultimate Universe is where a lot of the MCU, what you talked yeah. about, got a lot of its inspiration. Um, you know, uh, the Ultimates, which was the the Avengers title for that one in the ultimate universe uh is really where we get a lot of mcu stuff not everything but a lot of a lot of uh hints to that come come out in the movies uh but yeah today yeah, well, we're real, talk real about... quick with that i just want to oh, say yeah? like what something that i think is really interesting is that uh and i know some people will take umbrage with what i'm about to say but uh oh. I, I kind of see the mcu at this point specifically as like the definitive marvel story and um, I think that's that's because I mean, like hot take. these characters mean so much to more people than ever. And I also think that there is more care being put into the uh, consistency of storytelling mm. and the rules of the universe being followed and all of that. And again, it's still not perfect. And I do think that in phase four, we're starting to see the seams a lot more and it's starting to break as we get into multiverse. But mm. that's comics, right? They hit a point where it goes from being the modern definitive version to all of a sudden having the same problems that we've seen 
over and over and over in comic history. And I, I do think it's funny that um, I also felt like the ultimate story was like the definitive modern telling uh, for a long time. And then once we got to like Ultimatum and like some of the, yeah. the later stuff, it really was clear like, oh man, it it went from being a nice jump on point to now just being as convoluted as everything else. Yeah. So it's just interesting. I think that we're already at that point uh, in with the, the Marvel Studios storytelling. Um, and I, I don't know where, where you go from that, but it's just an interesting thing to bring up. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, um, I mean, I, I think your your take, although a uh, uh, spicy hot one, is it's fairly accurate in that, like, at this point, more people in the world, you know, Tom Holland and his performance of Spider Man is the definition of Spider Man, if not, you know, the other Spider Man like Toby mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, what's his face, Andrew, Andrew. Garfield, um. And uh, are are much more aware of that Spider-Man than than the the comic book fans at this point because comics come quite secondary to the other uh, you know media projects for comics, which is part of why I really wanted to do this show because it comes out of my love of X-Men and just wanting to kind of capitalize on people's interest in comic characters um but uh bring them into the fold of a set of them that really hasn't gotten the right amount of love i would say maybe since like the 90s you know cartoon there's some good and some bad from the films but i i I won't get into that we've we've (laughs) talked about that at infinitum on this show um however what i love to do with the show is try to find uh, good jumping in points for people to be able to enjoy the X-Men. And I do think Age of X-Men is an extra fun jumping in point. We have not at this point really done something that uh, I haven't covered anything that became a canonical other timeline. Um, uh, we kind of dabbled in it and that I went over days of future past with uh, uh, my friend Lori Bird. And while that was not at the time something that became later a part of the multiverse, it now is a canonical part of the multiverse, that timeline um, of the Sentinels 1, that kind of thing. Uh, but, a- but Age of Apocalypse was always something that I super found super interesting because it, it was a reboot. It was a redesign of all these characters. Um, they, it was, it's very nineties. So incredibly nineties. So many garish primary colors, muscles for days. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. But it, but it's, it's so fun. So I I wanted to like, I'm assuming that, you know, this was your first time reading through age of apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting there is, um, I, when it comes to like the actual, like the core X-Men run of comics, like outside of the ultimate universe, so six, one, six, um, I, I read a lot of the more iconic 80s stories. So, uh, days of future past, uh, and you know, the Phoenix saga, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for the 90s stuff, that is really where, um, I, I have the most blank spots. Um, great. The, the Whedon's run on, on Astonishing X-Men, I think it was. That, yeah. that whole bit that I know, um, I know everyone has their thoughts on Whedon uh, that aren't as positive these days, but um, no. that that went for amazing reasons. But uh, the the run uh, that that they did back then was so yeah. definitive to me. And like, that's what I think of as like the 90s X-Men uh, team. So for this, like getting out of that main timeline into more of the uh, Age of Apocalypse, this is definitely, I'm excited that I read this because I've never dabbled in the Age of Apocalypse, despite it being probably the next in line compared to all the ones I just named of like the iconic yeah. runs. Like this definitely yeah. is one that I've heard about a lot. 
Well, it to 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 clue everyone in, uh, yourself included, on what was happening. That th- when they did this reboot, this reboot happened in February of 1995, and it was meant to be just a a normal crossover event that was going to last for about six months. They finished it up in about July and and returned back to normal comics. But because, like in so many instances, if something is super popular. You know, the people at Marvel, the people in the X office will do whatever they can to extend it. And so there has been a lot of returns back to Age of Apocalypse, a lot more additions to the lore beyond that initial 1995 run. Um, And even at the end of it all, there's actually we'll go over which ones uh, uh, pertain to this. But a lot of the characters bled into the canonical uh, Earth 616 universe that everyone follows as the main Marvel universe. Um, But it, it it was it was it was a product of the nineteen ninety of nineteen ninety five and the weirdest thing about this is that the Age of Apocalypse was a reboot where they renamed all eight titles of X Men comics at the time, which is bonkers to think of doing because this was during like this was like during the era of like if it ain't broke don't don't fix it like X Men were riding high they were at their peak you know th- like you said like even the cartoon 90s um the night the cartoon in the 90s was like you know peak x-men mm-hmm. the comics were doing that well this is this is not too long after you know jim lee and chris claremont had um restarted all with x-men number one um and so everyone was loving everything that they were laying down um but at the time what happened was you know the guys who were um the people in the x office who were making these comics they still were wanting to try you know crazy weird things and so at the time the editor of of x-men bob harris had actually he basically called up and left a voicemail on one of the writers for x-men scott liddell and he 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 posed this question he said what if Jubilee showed up at the X mansion and the X Men weren't the X Men that were there? And so Scott actually replied and loved that idea, but he's like, What if they were the X Men, but they weren't the X Men that she knew? And so that started this conversation on, like, Well, how do you write a story like this? And they're like, Well, you'd have to change the origins of them drastically and have to create a whole new, like, path of where they took. And so that's where they landed on this idea that, like, what if. Professor Xavier died before he formed the X-Men. And that's what this story is, is that right before Age of Apocalypse started, which to let the audience know, we just read X-Men Alpha, which is the the one-shot start-off point of Age of Apocalypse that then splintered off into eight other titles that were renamed versions of all the other uh, X-Men comics. Like X-Men became Astonishing X-Men, and Uncanny X-Men became Amazing X-Men, and so on and so forth. And it was Um, all super easy to keep track of. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Um, it is it, even, even to this day with like the help of like, un, you know, Marvel unlimited reading guides and, you know, comic Herald reading order guides on the internet and that kind of thing. It was confusing as all hell. And it still is confusing because they have added to the lore. So even when you look up, trying to find, trying to read age of apocalypse, there's all kinds of other issues you can read that expand beyond this initial run. Um, but to give some context to you, Tim, I don't know if you know what was happening right before Age of Apocalypse, but they had just finished a crossover event called uh, Legacy Quest, um, where no, sorry, not Legion Legacy Quest, Quest. Legion, Legion Quest. Um, who was looks like you did your homework. Yeah. Um, so David Holler, the son of Professor X, who is goes by the name Legion, that uh, was at one point a 
a pretty fun TV show. Um, uh, he had this crazy idea to get his daddy's attention that uh, what if he went back in time and killed Magneto uh, before you know Magneto became a thorn in his father's side so that potentially Professor X could have been the peak version of himself and he could change time so that's even better for the X-Men. Long story short, David goes back in time, drags a few of the X-Men with him, tries to murder Magneto accidentally because Professor X gets in the way of the blast, murders his father, Professor X. Tale as old as time. Yeah, you know what happens. You know, you go back in time to kill your dad's arch arch nemesis and you kill your dad. Uh, Kind of an old trope. Anyways, uh, it, 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 then the, basically the comic fades to black in a certain way. The audience at large was unaware of what was about to happen. And then all of a sudden X-Men Alpha and all these other comics start showing up on stands and they are pitching this complete altered timeline where because, uh, Professor X was dead in World War II was around the time when David went back as they were, um, him and uh, Magneto were doing work in Israel for, during World War II, uh, that Apocalypse then uh, attempts his conquest of the world earlier and much more aggressively, and it changes the whole timeline. You know, they, they, the original pitch was to have Jubilee be this kind of a, the viewpoint of the viewer, the, the, the person lost in time who was confused what was going on, ended up being Bishop. They went with Bishop because mm. of his time traveling. It made a little bit more sense, um, I, you know, as far as like that if he was already time displaced, then him being time displaced now would make sense as well. And he'd have like some recollection of, you know, why this universe was wrong. Um, so yeah, they, they rebranded the eight of the eight titles. They almost didn't do it with generation X, um, because it was so new. It was actually only like, it was only like a few months old. Wow. And so they were worried that if they did it to generation X, that people would be confused, but they came to the decision that if they didn't do it, then it would kind of create this idea that Generation X was a less important Mm -hmm. part of the comics. And they didn't want that to happen. They wanted Generation X to be just as important as the other titles, which I'm I'm so glad for. I love Generation X. It's one of my favorite titles from X-Men. And so I'm glad they did it. They they, they titled it Generation Next for Age of Apocalypse. Got it. Um, And so, yeah. So X-Men Alpha is the one-shot starting point. And it then kind of splintered off into all the other titles and then comes back together in july with x-men omega and so basically they told all the writers in the x office you can kind of do whatever you want but in the end you got to bring your titles back to x-men omega where these like landing points for x-men omega we're going to wrap it up um and they mostly stuck with as you saw tim Mm -hmm. uh you know previously existing characters but i'm sure you noticed a few new faces yeah, like um, Wild Child, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with at least. Um, what then, you didn't read Alpha Flight? Come <laughs> on. I know you know Alpha Flight's definitely a, um, a blind spot for me. It is for a lot of people. Like Alpha Flight is the Canadian X Men and is is kind of fun in certain areas. But Wild Child was a a, a, a part of a Alpha Flight. He was part of like the same like Weapon X program that Wolverine was a part of. He. Uh, he has he's a, a young mutant that had like these feral abilities and they kind of enhanced it so he became even more of a wild child. Haha. Ha. <laughs> um so yeah, he kind of is a is a less known character from this. He's he's in this comic, he's being led around by Sabretooth, like on a chain, like a little pet. Yeah. Um 
you know, there's, there's, we could, we could talk about that for a bit, but we won't. Um, it, it's interesting yeah. the way that this, uh, this kind, of, this comic functions, where, um, and I'm going uh, a little uh, across the other side for a sec here, but uh, Go for when it. DC did their New Fifty Two reboot, yes, uh, back in 2015, I want to say somewhere around there, um, they, which was like line wide, every single comic they had, they restarted with like new titling and new everything. I remember the Batman comic. I was like, oh, this is a great time to get back into Batman. And their <laughs> issue one was so good. Uh, I mean, that whole run was so good. But it I was. thought issue one was so good because it featured so many of Batman's rogue gallery and uh, it was kind of thrown in front of us. We had to, based on the context of a couple lines of dialogue, put together the pieces of like, okay, what's the story? What's Gotham currently looking like? And what I thought was cool about this one here with X-Men Alpha is it jumps in and immediately like you get the vibe that you're in a different universe or you it's yeah. definitely more apocalyptic than what you'd be used to for X-Men. So it's like, all right, cool. I'm familiar with these characters. Clearly that's Magneto. Clearly that's Rogue. But why are they together this way? Like trying to fit together all that. And then as the comic like goes on and you realize like, oh, Xavier's dead. He's been dead. Magneto made the X-Men. Yes. It's, it's just like a, a, a wise use of playing with our prior knowledge while also throwing in more obscure things like I wasn't familiar with the nanny character, but I'm sure there'd be people out there like you that were like losing your mind when nanny shows up. <laughs> I, I nanny was less of a, of a losing my mind moment. Although I is, she, she is a nod to um, it's, it's not, it's not clear if she's a nod to specifically a robot that Magneto used to have on asteroid M or if she might actually be a nod to another X-Men character that was actually called Nanny, um, who had like uh, was basically stuck in a robot suit with lipstick um, uh, drawn on it, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it starts like in media res, um, which is very similar to how like uh, Days of Future Past starts, where you don't, you, you're, you're kind of just thrust into this cold open of a new world with a stranger leading you through it. And then at some point in the story, you're introduced to somewhat familiar characters. If you're a super nerd and you know who Unis the Untouchable is, you might have like been like, oh, what's what's Unis doing? Um, he's an old henchman of Magneto from way, way back. Um, and so he's the one who confronts Bishop right at the beginning there. But then, yeah, as soon as you see Magneto and his X-Men, that's when you're, you know, a hundred percent. You're like, okay, so this is something completely yeah. weird. Uh, one, Magneto doesn't run the X Men. Two, Sabretooth is there, um, and a lot of all all of the characters have like different costumes and are acting different ways. I mean, even the thing that like caught me off guard the most was Rogue and Magneto, which yes. you know I kind of associate Rogue and Gambit, and even in this this one issue, they hints at that at least was a thing at some point or like there's some issues because Gambit's like upset about it. He doesn't know about the kid and all this. But then I was thinking and I was like, oh, I mean, I definitely know Rogue and Magneto to be a thing in the future in other comics and stuff. So it's interesting that is this the origin of that? No. In fact, if you um, there's the moment in uh, X-Men Alpha where after they have captured Bishop, and they're trying to question him to find out why is he, you know, accusing Magneto of having done something wrong. That once Rogue touches him 
to consume his memories, they have that big old double wide a splash page of like the the splintered memories of the real timeline, and it's uh, to talk about of uh, you know moments in the story that are chock full of Easter eggs for those who are X Men fans. That's a, a a spot where that's it's full of you know, real moments from the X-Men history. And you can see there's the, it's not a very uh, tasteful uh, image, but it's the image of Rogue in tattered clothing. And she's kind of, uh, um, she, she's, she's just kind of like um, hugging up against Magneto. Rogue has had like Magneto relationship problems in the past. And it even like was complicated even later on after Age of Apocalypse. But yeah, the, her being, you know, uh, you know, ma- married basically. I don't know if they're married, but they have a kid together in Age of Apocalypse. Um, it would throw you a loop. Um, in fact, uh, the backstory of Magneto and Gambit and Rogue is that uh, in this Age of Apocalypse, is that Gambit actually was going to try to make moves on Rogue at one point. He was one of Magneto's X Men for a while, but. Uh, right as he was about to make his move, that's when Magneto made his move, aided on the fact that what they talked about in the comic where due to his power of magnetism, he's able to kind of create a way to be able to touch Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of like, uh, you know, uh, swooped in before Gambit could make his move. And th- at that point, Gam- that's when Gambit left the X-Men um, in gotcha. Age of Apocalypse. Um, but the thing that they re- they reference in it where um, Gambit and Magneto are close, though, is because there was a point where I think it was Apocalypse's kid, Holocaust. Um, made what a name, a by the way. Another Not very a good one. 90s decision of like, I don't know if that should have uh, been acceptable even then. Yeah, that's that's like let's like 90s edgy just to be edgy. Yeah. Um, they changed. They tried to change his name later on because he is one of the characters that actually made his way out of Age of Apocalypse and mm. showed up in the X Men comics. They changed it to Nemesis um, because I think they read the room and were like, "We should not name a character Holocaust." Yeah, yeah. Good um, call. Th- as 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 evil of a word that is, and you know, we've got you know people like Apocalypse and Mister Sinister and stuff like that. Let's just stay away from you know Holocaust, mm-hmm. just as a thought. Um, but yeah, he made an assassination assassination attempt on Magneto and Gambit uh, took the hit for him. And so Magneto kind of owes him his life here in this timeline. Um, but yeah, the, the, the X-Men in, in, as a whole team has been upended and you even see like, you know, out of character moments of like, you know, obviously something seems to be wrong with Iceman. Um, he's, you know, doesn't have a mouth. He's, he immediately kills Unis the Untouchable in a pretty gruesome way, which is not Bobby Drake's normal mo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they basically you know introduce this whole new set of characters, and they they not capture Bishop, but kind of take him into custody to question why he's who 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 he is as a stranger. There's probably a few other. Uh, unrecognizable characters in their their cadre. Um, people probably don't recognize Blink um, because, well, frankly, Blink was actually very uh, very new. Um, she'd actually there is a Blink that was from the original six one six universe, but she actually lasted about two issues before she died. Mm. Um, and so she was a she was much like 
a much more fearful character in the original iteration of her. And I love the age of apocalypse version. Um, she actually is one of the characters that she didn't make it out of the into the 616 series, but she did make it into a really fun series that I would recommend to people. I will probably do an episode on it called Exiles, um, which was this fun multiverse hopping team series where a mysterious Wizard of Oz like character gathered a bunch of superheroes from different multiverses to fix, you know, uh, cracks in the multiverse. Um, and so Blink uh, is the one who uh, leads them, basically. Cool. And um, actually, the Age of Apocalypse, Sabretooth, actually joins her in that title as well. Oh, cool. And he he's like a father figure to her, uh, which they kind of allude to a little bit in this comic right mm. at the beginning, where he kind of like stops her from involving herself in the fight. Yeah. Um, but the the one of the 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 brand new characters is uh, Morph, which people who know the oh, comic or know the car- Morph. Yeah, the well, the cartoon Morph was a new character as well. Um, he was actually the only new character they made for the initial run of the X Men cartoon. He was roughly based off of a character called Changeling mm. from the comics, who could only turn into like looking like a little bit of mystique kind Got of it. powers. And but they wanted to give that ramp that up, and they let him like literally turn into anything and have the powers of whoever he turns into, um, and can turn into like inanimate objects, like in that one of those first panels you see him turn into a brick wall. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. There's a couple yeah. cool, cool little action moments in uh, in in this issue. Like there's that, and even just uh, Magneto talking about uh, changing the the iron in his blood, which is just one of the coolest things. They they do it a little bit in the X two movie as well, but that was really well done in this one. I do, I do. I it's it scratches an itch in my brain when writers play with little little like minutiae kind of ways of mess of using um, their powers. Cause it's fun to see like, Oh yeah. Magneto is like lifting an entire, you know, bridge of steel. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense with his magnetism. But when they're able to do tiny little things with their powers that, you know, like slow down, you know, someone's Mm -hmm. blood. Um, In fact, Magneto has used it in the past to cauterize wounds by drawing iron to the wound um, to make it scab over more. Yeah, I love that. So Morph was uh, introduced in the the comic for Age of Apocalypse and also was loosely based off of Changeling as well. Um, he's another character that, while he didn't make it into the 616 series after this, he also made his way into Exiles as well. And he's very fun. And he, he definitely dons a little bit of the personality that you see in this issue, X-Men Alpha, that also was kind of his character in the cartoon before he got sad and broken. <laughs> um, that he's like the jokester, you know, uh, slapstick kind of character. A little bit of like a, a plastic man from DC kind of mm. thing. Um. But yeah, so he's one of the only ones that was like, uh, you know, a brand new character introduced, but they gave everybody these wonderful new backstories because like they really played with the ripple effect of what would happen if like Professor X did not gather these X-Men and set the, you know, the path of how mutants were going to be integrated into society in the way that he did, you know, it, it, it goes down to even like, you know, the Summers boys, um, mm-hmm. you know, were never brought into his fold, neither Scott nor Havoc later. And instead, Sinister, who 
has always been interested in them in the normal universe, he gets a hold of them first and basically raises them as dad. And so you see in this series, he like he plays, you know, Papa. You know, he even pulls out a line in this issue where he's like, you know, you started it, but I'm ending it. Such a dad line. Oh, it so is. And I, I love how for this alternate timeline, they're just like, how can we make everyone related to everyone in some way, shape, or form? Like, the, yeah. they're they're married. They have a kid. Who's your mom? Oh yeah, it's her. Like all these things. I just I love it. Yeah, they they you know they knew they wanted to mess with their origins and everything, but you know you have to still ride away from them all to still be interacting with each other. So they have to intertwine certain ways. You know, even like Angel's an interesting character in this run where he kind of he's almost like um, uh, Michael Sheen's character from Tron Legacy. What is his name? Zeus or something? Mm. And he is this like uh, uh, the he he runs a club called Heaven. So dope! Only- I love that. <laughs> it's the only like neutral ground in all of like North America um, where humans and mutants can be, can like, you know, be safe. And even the the rebels and even the, the, the bad guys go there sometimes. Um, but like that becomes a place where people gather and interact with angel and his people um, in this series. Nightcrawler actually has his last name, Darkholm. He's, mm-hmm. he's uh, Kurt Darkholm. Um, which is Mystique's name. Her name is Raven Darkholm. And Mystique has always been his mom in the comics, but in the comics that we know, she abandoned him immediately, um, and he was raised by uh, Romani, a Romani woman, um, at the time referred to as a gypsy woman. And But in this one, it's it's considered that because of the alteration that Apocalypse made to how mutants you know, are seen in this world, he was raised by her the whole time. Um, and so he goes by that name. Iceman is like way different in this one because mm-hmm. it's said that it's told that like Magneto got to him first and pushed him to really use his powers in extreme ways that Professor X never did at that point in the comics. In the 616, Professor X will do that later on or Iceman will push his powers later on. He'll later on become one of like the Omega, Omega. level mutants. Yeah. Um, but in this one, he's like always an ice form and is like has like not really human features to him and is a bit uh harsh that's why he like just flat out kills unis previously on x-men hey everybody john here just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast this is your first time if this is your fifth time i appreciate you i hope you're getting something out of it whether it be entertainment or information or maybe if we're lucky both And if you are enjoying the show, the number one thing you can do to support it even more is to rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. If you're listening to this on Patreon, I'll say a special thank you to you. I appreciate your support. If you want to go check that out, you're more than welcome to. We have a Patreon. We have a Discord. We're on socials, uh, Class of X Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm mostly just posting X-Men art and comic panels and facts and behind-the-scenes stories. So if you want a little more X-Men, info then you can go follow us there most of all i just want to say thank you a special thank you to the house of x patrons people like christian monroe alex barrett emily braylon calhoun cole zacharias jordan anderson john duggan and plenty more i appreciate your support please tell a friend about the show i really like doing the show i've got a bunch of guests lined up for the next like five or six episodes some big names that on the internet you might recognize we're going to go over some fun stories with the x-men 
Our next guest is Alana Pierce, and we're going to be reading through X-23, Innocence Lost, the six-issue arc that gave the origin story of Wolverine's clone, Laura Kinney. I'm so excited to go over that. A lot of people know that character from Logan, the hit film, but she was originally part of X-Men Evolution, the cartoon, and then later got added to the comic world. So we're going to go over that with Alana, and I'm very excited about that. I've said excited probably like five times during this thing. I'm going to wrap this up and just get back to the show. Enjoy the rest of Age of Apocalypse with Tim Geddes. And so, yeah, like, I, I'm curious, like, how did you feel? Did any of the characters, like, new backgrounds itch you the wrong way? Or did you like any of them, like, way more than the real version of them? Well, I've always been a huge fan uh, of Gambit in general. Uh, and his, his like, look is always one of my favorite things. I love his new look in this. Like, I think his yes. hair is, like, his hair is just so perfectly 90s. Like, we keep saying it, but, like, wow, this comic is just so oh. 90s, right? Like, uh, yeah. I love it. But it's like, the floppy, like, it's the floppy, like, middle part that yeah, looks so good. Exactly, exactly. Just crushing the game there. Uh, but there was one line that I wrote down that I just thought was, like, so bad. Uh, where he goes, because uh, <laughs> Angel spelled sideways is angle. If anyone knows how to get <laughs> You. it's you it's like what are you talking about uh so that was pretty funny but i, I had a question for you the the woman they introduced they're like uh i want to dance in the clouds dance to the songs scarlet. of scarlet it, it it's not scarlet witch though right no in this universe scarlet witch was actually killed by i think holocaust if not apocalypse got it um because they said that this so that's woman why... was a human so i was like a little thrown off yes. but i was like maybe it's an alternate reality type thing She's not a direct reference to a previous character, but she is a a mild reference to Madeline Pryor, um, who was a, if people don't know of her, she was a clone of Jean Grey made by Sinister, who um, married Scott um, and uh, had a baby with him. That's who Cable's mom is, mm. Madeline Pryor. Um, and so... It's hard. Uh, I was trying to figure out like the exact lore of who she was because I was also like confused by her. And because she in the Age of Apocalypse um, has, you know, they 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 mentioned you know a little bit about her in that heaven scene, and then later on, Havoc has some interest in her and is in, into her, and that is the same with Maddie Pryor in the X Men universe. Um, I, I'm pretty sure she is a reference because she's also. I believe she's a human. She might not be a human. It's not quite clear who she is, but she's kind of a, a Madeline Pryor uh, gotcha. offshoot. Yeah, yeah. It's a little they confusing. say she's a human in in this one. Yes. Um. Um. She in this story later on turns out to be um. Spoiler. She turns out to be part of the Human High Council, and she was like spying on like Angel mm. and stuff. Um. And so that's why that's why they they reference her so directly in this you know one shot because she's going to be important later on with the Human High Council who. Uh, Weapon X and Jean Grey meet up with um, in London. Gotcha. Um, that the with Moira Trask and all of them. Yeah, going back to uh, answer your question about uh, who I, I'm liking the most, uh, Beast for me really stood I out. I like, love Dark Beast. Yeah, the the kind of the, the darkness of it is so interesting for for a character that um, is you know so beloved. Um, I imagine this was a, a pretty big twist on on yes. his character and and i love him yes. even do the experiments or whatever and especially being on blob and seeing blob move that way and uh i forget who it was but they're like like whoa this isn't natural like how's this happening like i i thought yeah, that stuff yeah, was yeah. really cool 
Yeah, um, Dark Beast was a fan favorite. I love it. I love putting Beast in pants. It's fun. Um, and he actually is one of the only ones who made it out of Age of Apocalypse and actually was in the 616 universe for a while. And in fact, for a long time, was posing as the real Hank McCoy in the X-Men while the real Hank McCoy was missing. Interesting. Um, and yeah, he it, it it's funny at the time you are correct. At the time it would have been quite the jolt to see Beast act in this way because he was still at this point in the X-Men comics like the heart of them. Um he, you know, was the the optimistic scientist who was, you know, at that time I you know, either at that time or soon after would have been struggling with like curing the legacy virus which was ravaging the mutant population. Um and but now Beast is kind of a jerk in the X-Men comics. He's gone full uh, evil scientist, which kind of started in a run called All New X-Men, where he, uh, it was after this event called Schism, where Cyclops had kind of lost his way. And so Beast had the bright idea of bringing back the original X-Men to the present to shove it in his face how far he had gone. Um, that was actually... basically. I I read like uh, the first couple issues of House and Powers of X, but I, I never even finished that that run. I, I'll get back to it at some point. I just got distracted. You yeah, yeah. I was really into it. I just uh, I was reading it month to month, and then you know how that goes. You miss yeah, a month yeah, or yeah. two, and then you're like, oh, I'll get back to it at some point. I just need to do it. Yeah. Uh, but that the storyline you're talking about now about the original uh, cast coming back or like being time traveled into modern times that was the last ongoing thing that I kept up with and read all yes. of. And it, I I. I personally loved it. I, of course, it hit a point where I was like, all right, this is kind of out war. It's welcome. But yeah, um, I was in for it for the ride. Oh, no, I think it was a very good run. That was Brian Michael Bendis uh, penned that mm-hmm. one. Um, and it was a fun thing. But that was the starting point of Beast kind of um, he kind of uh, rationalized his actions more and more and more, taking extreme a- actions to like do the greater good and now at this point like he's almost f- like he's not full-on evil but he's total like uh black ops government is what he's serving as in modern x-men on krakoa where he is working with um uh tess with x-force he's kind of running x-force but which is like their their black ops group and but he's doing like really sketchy things and the character in general is not lovable anymore he is not uh, mm-hmm. nice and a lot of people like myself who are you know really into the current ones are waiting for it to break and hoping that they'll do some sort of redemption arc for him because he is not liked right now he's Damn. a nasty fool um, but at the time yes dark beast being this like experimenting genetic manipulator would be super weird for people to see but i love it i love the design i love that he's like a darker like desaturated yeah. blue that he's maniacal and a little bit humorous. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely fun. I like even the, the changes in people's lore that changes like their look specifically like Cyclops and weapon X who's Wolverine where I don't know if you noticed this, but Cyclops is missing an eye in age of apocalypse. Yeah. Which is again, just a cool little touch. Yeah. And Wolverine is missing a hand um oh i didn't he, notice that yeah it's hard to notice in this first in just this one shot because they don't explicitly show it there's actually one panel where he's hugging gene and if you look he's got a stump 
Um, basically, he lost it. Well, so Cyclops works for Apocalypse. At one point, Weapon X did as well, but then he left. And during a fight with him and Cyclops, he took Cyclops' eye. Cyclops took his hand. Um, this is also during an era where they weren't super explicit about the lengths of Wolverine's like healing factor. So he wasn't at the point where like he was just regenerating his entire body, you know, from nothing like he does now. Uh, and so him getting his hand shut off, uh, shot off, he then covered it with like a, like an adamantium stump. Um, and so, but he's still, it's kind of cool. There's still moments in age of apocalypse where he can still unsheath his claws. And so they break through that stump awesome. and retract in, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, like there's characters like that, that have like augmentation to their, their look because of the different lore that has changed. Um, I, I, I've always been a fan of Apocalypse and his Four Horsemen. I think mm-hmm. it's a fun like team that's gotten to go through a few iterations. I thought they totally stumbled with it in the movie oh, and just disaster. did not utilize it well. No, 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 no. no. Um, but I, I especially love uh, this version of Sinister. Uh, there's a few versions of Sinister that I think are better than the original version, and this is one of them where... Mm while he is working for Apocalypse, it's very clear in this first issue, he sees Apocalypse's actions as being too extreme, like, you know, to the detriment of, like, everyone's survival. Um, And he's working with, you know, the Summers boys to try to usurp Apocalypse. But at the same time, they don't get into it into this comic, but there's a major character that is created in Age of Apocalypse that not only bled out into the 616 universe, but got his own title for a long time. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. His name is X-Man. You're you're kidding uh, me. I've legit never heard of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, there is a character called X-Man. Thank you, everybody. Um, And what he is, he's, I I love him because he's, he is, I've always loved Cable. Cable is one of my favorite characters. Um, A character that I thought they did super right in the movie um too right yeah 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 and uh so cable's an interesting character where he the reason why he is cybernetic you know half of him is like a cyborg is because he is he was infected by apocalypse as a baby with a virus called the techno organic virus um cable was prophesized as being the uh, mutant that would take down Apocalypse. So Apocalypse went and infected him. I think he went back in time or forward in time. Hard to say. Cable's a lot of time travel. And infected him. So that's why Cable always has cybernetic components. And his he, Cable has like, you know, crazy telekinetic powers. But they are always kept in check because a portion of them are always devoted to keeping that organic virus in check and not taking over his entire body. Um, they didn't go into that lore with the movie, so I know this is confusing to some people, but in the comics, he is always keeping this virus that is wants to take over him entirely and turn him into this techno-organic uh, monster. He's keeping it in check. So Nate is a different version of Cable. Um, in Age of Apocalypse, Sinister still is obsessed with Scott Summers' DNA. He's also obsessed with Jean Grey's DNA, thinks they have perfect DNA. He's kind of a creep. Um in this version, he does get a hold of their DNA and creates a clone uh, or a, a child from them, and it is Nate, Nate Gray, um, and he is X Man, and he is the like 
the unhindered version of Apocalypse. He's also super young. Um, he's he looks exactly like some sort of like gorgeous twink. Um, he's got this great costume that the artist attributes to being very similar to David Lynch's Dune, the still suits from that movie. So he's got a cool costume that's kind of based off of that. And people loved him in Age of Apocalypse. While the, the stories were coming out, they were so clamoring for it that they even made the decision halfway through the run to, to continue him beyond Age of Apocalypse and give him his own title, like Wolverine has his own title. And so, yeah, there is a character called X-Man. Um, Interesting. Not the most original name it, ever, I will agree. Is he still a relevant character in, in the storylines nowadays? No, he kind of, he hung around for quite a while. Um, he ha- had uh, certain ins and outs in the X-Men, and then eventually, I think it was called Dawn of X, was the big event where, this is before House of X, Powers of Ten, the soft reboot, and he had this big event where he tried, he almost kind of like Age of Apocalypse, tried to make his own perfect alternate universe of the X-Men to finally like almost like fulfill his prophecy. Um, but he was also like, I think dying was the reason why he was doing it. Like he, he it was very much like him playing Jesus um, is what he even looked like Jesus in the run. He had like a, a long hair and a beard at that point. Um, and he, I think he died at the end of that. I don't remember exactly. There's a lot of X-Men information for my brain to keep remembering. Um, <laughs> he has not made it into the new House of X Powers of 10 series yet. I hope he does. Cause he's still a fun character. Um, but yeah, he's the, the kind of like the perfect version of Cable. Um, so yeah. So Nate was another one that made its way out. Um, but other than that, like, the story's great. It's a fun, like, ticking time bomb apocalyptic event. Um, I, I love that it plays with, you know, all of our obsessions with the end of the world. Um, it's it's kind of a, a, a fun trope that the X-Men like to play with. Um, time travel's involved, which is also still something <laughs> that's really fun with the X-Men. Um, I'm curious, like, was there any other parts of the story that felt confusing to you you feel like maybe as a new reader which a lot of people at the time who would have read this are that would have been confusing or you needed more context or anything like that yeah i mean absolutely like i will say that we didn't really talk overall about like do we like this or not you know (laughs) like (laughs) oh yeah well then tell me like it's it's interesting where i i do i enjoy it for the novelty of it for sure uh and like the time and place of it all and how like ridiculously 90s it is but i do think that in kind of comparison to the batman new 52 comic i was bringing up that i think did a really good job of kind of like setting the stage of where you are and trying to figure out like oh okay that's what penguin's up to that's the history with two-face that's what this is that's what this is this, I think, is uh, more on the overwhelming side of there, there being, I think, maybe a, a few too many elements, uh, whether it's the timeline, the location, who's on what team, the introduction yeah. to new characters and old characters that I am not that familiar with. So it's like the whole time there's this hooded character and I was like, who is it? Who's it going to be? And it being Bishop, I was like, oh, I'm familiar with Bishop, but I don't exactly <laughs> remember his whole deal. And so it's like it's one of those things where I feel like uh, this was probably uh, perfect for people that were reading month to month at the time. But I don't know yeah. how great of a jump on point this is, despite it kind of feeling like it was presented that way. But maybe I'm wrong. 
Well, no, I, I, I think you're actually coming to it from a very valid point. In fact, almost like verbatim what you are saying is what the audience at the time reacted because, mm. you know, um, they didn't know what this was. They didn't know how long it was going to last. They didn't know if this was permanent. And they very much were like, you know, upset that they were completely changing the X-Men. They changed the titles. They changed the characters. They were very upset about it. They were actually like this back in the day when people would call into the X office, they would write letters and they basically, they were told by the people at the time who were running the office, like, we understand you're upset, but hang on with it and, and, and trust us on this. And so you're, coming at it from someone who just read x-men alpha just this single just 44 one. page yeah. one shot and it if you uh, you know I, th- I think a lot of people i'm not saying it's guaranteed but people who went on and read these other titles read astonishing x-men read you know x-men chronicles read you know generation next that then it because it, this is like um this is kind of an amuse bouche this is just an order of the beginning, they kind of just tease like, oh, Weapon X and Jean Grey are in London with this Moira, you know, McTaggart spinoff character. And, you know, uh, Magneto's got his own little X-Men and Sinister's got his own little thing that he's going to be doing. Um, and they they flesh that out a lot more. Like Gambit has his own title called Gambit in the Externals. And there's a whole thing of like Gambit's quest that Magneto has him on that he fully goes through. Um, and so... The result was the reaction was later on that once people read more of the books, they loved it. It was it was at the time super loved and successful, which is why it's been brought back so many times. It's why you even see like, you know, these characters show up in video games as like alternative costumes or, um, uh, you know, it's it's why they even kind of try to play with it with like uh, the movie Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Not a complete adaptation of this, but at least of a, a little bit of a hint. Um, I mean, definitely, right? Like this, this timeline is, I think, one of the more um, iconic Marvel multiverses that are out there. Uh, It's something that, you know, we we have seen them go back to so many times. It is interesting, like this just being that kind of the one off setup to it, what I think is really cool, especially from what you're saying, it sounds like they actually pull it off. But I like that all the storylines are. Uh, it's a dedication that all X books for the next six months are going to be this. And then did they finish the storyline there? Like once we transitioned over to Omega, was it kind of like, yo, there was this, this six month period. And if you read all of it, it was satisfying. Yeah, it was, um, they kind of allude to how it's going to end at the end of X-Men Alpha with that one page that mysteriously mentioned some sort of crystal mm-hmm. that was like traveling across the uh, the universe. Um, basically, throughout the whole run, Magneto, after learning that there is an alternate universe where Apocalypse did not accomplish what he wanted, Magneto basically spends the whole time trying to bring that reality to terms. He wants to get rid of his dark timeline and bring bring what seems to be the right timeline back. Um, and so he's seeking to do that the entire time. Um, and it all comes to a, a head with the this crystal in Apocalypse's possession called the Emkron crystal um they actually used it it's it's part of the the dark phoenix saga um it was in the cartoon with the dark phoenix saga as well this like um Mm -hmm. weird crystal that was in the possession of the shiar who are the they're in the the last movie right dark phoenix 
Yes. Oh God, they were. I forgot. Yeah, Damn. they were. <laughs> they were not. That that's not them. Nope, that's not them. <laughs> uh, but basically, the Mcron crystal is like um, the nexus of all realities, and that crystal is traveling across the universe and like basically crystallizing and destroying this reality, like almost like writing itself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the whole almost like how um, the Ultimate Universe ended with uh, Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great crossover oh, event. In, absolutely incredible. Like I, um, I had, I read all the ultimate comics as they were coming out, but I didn't read secret wars, like the, the actual story until uh, maybe like three months ago. I read the oh, original wow. secret wars uh, from yeah. the eighties. And then I read the 2015 one. Oh, talk about night and day, but man, yes. that 2015 Hickman run incredible. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the reason why they were like, okay, we'll let you have House of X, Powers of Ten, because he pulled off the one of the craziest multiverse crossover events ever. Um, uh, Doom God is one of my favorite characters ever. So um, good. That white and, costume, incredible. It's so good. Uh, uh, audience, if you have no idea what we're talking about, it's, you, it's fine. Um, it, but it was basically the way that they crushed the multiverse into one main universe, but they got rid of the ultimate universe um, and kind of brought some of the characters into the main one, kind of like Miles Morales is now part of the main universe, even though he's originally a mul- uh, an ultimate universe character. Um, another maker. one was old, yeah, old Man Logan was another one that made its way for a bit into our regular 616 universe. This was like that, where they yeah. the universe was kind of consumed by this crystal in the end, and everything kind of went back to normal, except for a few of the characters bled into the regular universe. But like I said, it was it, it was such a success that they still, they kind of returned back to it a few times, and there's been multiple mini-series and crossover events that have then gone back. I, I believe there is like a... A final final that happened um, sometime like in the early aughts where they they fully wrapped up Age of Apocalypse, like kind of almost like a not a happy ending, but at least an ending. Um, but this series itself, the six month one did wrap up and people people were, were, were pretty happy with the ending. I'll leave that up to the audience if anybody who <laughs> wants to read through the rest of the stuff. Um, you don't have to read all the tie ins. Um, but you, I encourage you to read some, like at least like maybe the main X Men titles, like Amazing X Men and Astonishing X Men, and then read um, X Men Omega. X Men Omega was the final one. But um, I, be, I'm curious, Tim. Like, it would is this something that would wet your whistle to want to read more of this or read more of the stuff that was like preceding it, or is this like a you feel like this isn't your cup of tea? No wrong answer. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm super happy I read this because uh, I always have been interested in like just more context even of what Age of Apocalypse is. But I will say this is probably not something I'm going to continue to read gotcha. mainly because like I, especially at this point in my life, I know what I like and what I don't like from yeah. comics and from superhero comics specifically. And I I don't want to say I'm more of a grounded person because it's definitely not that. <laughs> but it's I, once things start getting into the cosmic and the crystals and especially when you add on all the timeline shenanigans and the uh, apocalypse stuff, there's a lot of elements that I just said that aren't necessarily my cup of tea. Like I, I kind of like fun. it when I, I'm a big fan of when rules are presented and then they are dealt with uh, and, and, and like, <laughs> like listened to. And I'm a little less of a fan of like the MacGuffin of like, 
we're reading things that we just don't understand and they're just telling us things that we're like, okay, cool. That's how that works. Here we go. Um, <laughs> which this seems to be uh, leaning towards. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that, I mean, that is a huge part of what makes comics special is that they can be so many different things. And I think comics can be so uh, taken even further when those unique things can also play nice together. And I think, again, that's why I look at the MCU as uh, such a definitive Marvel storyline at this point because they've done a good job of making it not weird when the cosmic and uh, more grounded entities interact with each other. I think X-Men in particular have always had that interesting issue where they're almost a franchise of franchises to themselves. So, yeah. um, I mean, even you just talking about the eight uh, comic ongoing X-Men comics that were going on then, yep. all of them being renamed. It's like, I'm sure all of those had very different vibes. Um, so it's, I, it's hard for me because to me, I am a, the biggest fan of the X-Men. And I, I know even the, the, the line I was talking about earlier that I loved of the OG cast uh, time travel stuff. Once the yeah. time travel initial bit got out of the way and they were just in the present time, I liked that it felt smaller stakes. Um, smaller stakes isn't even the right way to put it. It was more simple of a story. You know, like sure. the plot of it uh, was, I think, easier to follow and allowed it to be a little bit more character based as opposed to like mystery based of like filling in the gaps yeah. with context. Um, but yeah. Well, I, yeah, then then th that's probably what they try to accomplish with Age of Apocalypse with the specific titles that people could still tune into just the one if they if they're like if you were just a Gambit fan, then you probably would have just followed Gambit and the externals mm -hmm. and gone through that kind of story and enjoyed that. Um, but I will say if you if you like a little bit more of a coalesced story with rules and and um, like a more character development kind of stuff. I highly recommend to finish House of X Powers of Ten. If you like Hickman's Secret of Wars, you will I, I I can almost guarantee you will like House of X Powers of Ten because it was um it was the first thing we did I, I did an episode on for this show um because it is it it was the I start to it. of Oh, thank you. Um, it it was the start of like what we still are experiencing is the best run of the X-Men, even the most recent crossover event, X-Men versus the Externals, um Eternal, sorry. Um by which was uh helmed by Karen Gillian uh has been great mm. as well and I'm looking forward to even the more upcoming ones they've got a, a big um cross event called Dark Web and then um uh Fall of X comes after that as well um but House of X Powers of 10 recommend yeah, finish it 100% yeah I, I read I want to say half of it and I was I was in love with it although it, it had a lot of the same trappings that I'm I'm talking about not usually loving but I do feel like it it um I was more in on the mystery, like immediately getting in and being like, what's Mora yeah. up to? Like, how's this all going? Like, it felt uh, somehow huge scale, but also focused in a different way where it was guiding me along in a way that it felt less like I had to ask questions and more like, no, 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 no. I can trust that they're going to give me what I need to know when I do. Yeah. I, I would say that that boils down to, uh, while I love Age of Apocalypse, I will agree, Hickman has a better voice in teasing you to just keep keep with him like yeah. hickman tells you i know you're confused right now promise me i have a plan i promise exactly you I have a plan. that's that's uh, kind of the vibe the plan i think that's a good word there it's like <laughs> I, with hickman i trust that there is a plan and the vision's going to be carried out it sometimes for me i'm like oh this is ambitious and that scares me <laughs> and as evidenced by most of the x-men movies right Oh, yeah. I mean, even what you're talking about, the New 52, that was mm -hmm. super ambitious. And I was prepared for that to be a dud. Because, you know, DC is 
way more than Marvel known for their hard reboots they do all the time. Yeah. And and I was like, what do you mean you're going to rewrite the origin stories of people like Superman and Batman? You can't pull that off. Sure enough, I loved New 52. It was fantastic. I read so many of those titles. Superman, Batman, even things like Animal Man and, and oh, wow. uh, the New Justice League and Green Lantern and all that stuff. Like, I loved it. I While I'm an X-Men person, I am a comic book person overall that I've, I've read. I read both X-Men, DC, and even independent titles like image and Wildstorm and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um i love new 52 it was such it was such a good in it but but man they were betting that on on that working yeah for sure well tim uh i'm so glad we got to do this i'm i'm such a fan of everything you guys do at kind of funny um you're basically the first pokemon i'm going to catch of your group and i'm planning on hunting oh, yeah. down the rest of them to be in the show with me because you all are the kinds of nerds that i love oh yeah for sure uh, I highly recommend everybody who's listening to go and check out Kind of Funny. You guys just launched. You have your brand new office. What was the title that you called it? The Spare Bedroom. We started spare in bedroom. an actual spare bedroom, and now we are in the dopest spare bedroom of all time. So <laughs> definitely yeah. go check it out. YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. Yeah, they cover literally everything under the sun as far as uh, nerd culture, pop culture, MCU, DC. You guys even go into things like Fast and Furious and Mission Impossible and all that kind of stuff. Great set of commentators and podcasters and reviewers. You guys do a lot of video game content that I really appreciate. Um, If you can't tell, I think you guys are way too talented and I'm jealous. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I appreciate all that. Also, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for introducing me to a new X-Men comic that I haven't read before. I feel like I'm filling in my gaps little by little. So I'd I'd love to be back. If there's ever uh, a story you're like, ooh, Tim should check this out, let me know. Maybe if we do Ultimate, we'll have to have you back as an expert. Oh, 100%. I'd love to reread that first run. It's been a long time. That'd be good. That'd be good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim. I will catch you later. 